Hey, what's up everyone? This is Eric Rentensperger, and you are listening to the first episode of Microspy, a podcast that takes a closer look at the lives and work of musicians and creatives I admire. My first guest is Sean Leary of the San Francisco-based hardcore band Loma Prieta. I first met Sean in 2019 when I reached out to him to see if Loma would like to join my band, Jerome's Dream, on our first tour in 18 years. I fell in love with their blistering and beautiful version of hardcore, their aesthetic, and the instant resonance I had specifically with their song Love, the opening track of their full-length album Self-Portrait, released on Death Wish in 2015. I can keep going on about how much I love this band and how much of a privilege it was to tour and to get to know them this summer. I'd like to dive right into my conversation with Sean, where we talk about his musical history, his influences, and how he is still obsessed with making music, the process, and what's next. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Sean Leary of Loma Prieta. Why don't we start with your your recent release, Continuum, that just came out, I guess, last week, right? Yeah, I think the I think the actual like release date is uh, maybe this coming weekend or something, but it's like... It's out there. It's been pressed. I think it's just like shipping out, you know. I think the I think it comes out the eleventh or something like that. So it's currently streaming, but the, uh, right. the seven inches will be available in a week or two. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. I think I told you this before, but like someone DM'd us and they're like, "Yeah, have you heard the new Loma Prieta? Like, what's uh-huh. up with that?" And then they were they were like really surprised by sort of this different sound i guess they would describe it as a different sound I, the way sure. i would look at it is just the continuation of you guys evolving over the years right like it's a different vibe but it's, it is it's an amazing it is, yeah it, it's an amazing song and it's it's it still has that loma feel i mean I, just, I feel like every every aspect of it is just as much of, of a representation of you guys as any other songs that you've recorded but um did you guys have any kind of discussion about what that might or like how the song would be received by people? Uh, not not really. I mean, it's funny. It's like one of these things where I think we always kind of uh, like every time we wrap up an album, then we immediately start talking about like what we're going to do next. But it's never anything like it's always sort of like this idea that we don't want to like keep doing the same thing. And so like it's kind of funny because, you know, for me, I'm like, well, no one should be surprised that this record sounds different from the last because that's kind of like if anyone has sort of like kept up with our releases to date it's like our band has been shifting and attempting to shift in like pretty radical ways every time we put anything out but it's kind of like sometimes we're actually like disappointed at how we're like damn it like we can't not sound like Loma you know what I mean like we'll like we'll finish recording something and be like I thought this was going to be wildly different from the last release, but it just sounds like us. You know, we play, I think it, a lot of it has to do with the way that Brian and I play guitar. You know, it's like we sound how we sound. So we'll go in with like production ideas to make it sound wildly different and like reference things that are like bands that we, you know, really like or tonally really like. And it's like, we can never not just sound how we sound. So, you know, for me, I'm kind of like, Oh, that's cool that someone was felt like it was jarring how different it was. Because for me, I'm like, Oh, I don't know, man. It's, sounds like self-portrait to me like i was hoping for us to get further away from that it's inter- it's interesting when you actually think that you're going sort of off the beaten path or, or trying something new but at the end of the day there's still an identifying quality to the sound itself and i think to, to, to your point like between you and brian the way you play i mean even the way val plays i think there's right. a very specific feel to it all and it's like you can you can like 
you can cover an Otis Redding song and it would still sound like Loma Prieta because it's, it's <laughs> right. still how you you lay into the guitar, how Val lays into the drums or James on the bass, like whatever right. it is, like it's right. always going to be you guys. And that's like an interesting thing with musicians as a whole, right? It's like... Yeah, I, it totally is. I think part of the thing that's always been like interesting for me, like creatively, like why the band format like works so well for me is that it has like so much to do with the coupling of different people's styles and like how they mesh. I mean, definitely it's like I've played music with a lot of people and there are times where you like, like you go to like jam with someone that you've never played with and you love their work. And then you find out that like, oh man, like our sort of like our rhythms like don't jive well, or it's all about this weird interplay between people's different styles and like limitations and and I think that's honestly like been one of those things in Loma Prieta. It's kind of like, I think from the time that Val and I started playing together, like immediately it just sort of clicked. Like it was very like natural. It's kind of, you know, it's, it's a strange thing. And like, we've been through all these different sort of iterations in this band. We've had, you know, there's been a lot of sort of like lineup changes that have happened organically over the years. And, and I think that probably has something to do with our sound shifting, but um, yeah, definitely with this new seven inch, it's like, you know, it's the same people and it's, sort of like us I mean I think the vocals are really what's making it sound pretty vastly different but you know mm. everything else to me I'm kind of like oh this feels like I mean when we were coming up with these riffs I'm like oh this these sound like Lauren Prieta songs to me once you guys kind of solidified your lineup with your your current group how would you say that the band has evolved and and sort of what would what would be attributed to that is it a thing when I mean, does it have to do with headspace? Does it have to do with just sort of like a deliberate change of direction? Does it? Ha- I mean, what what are what are the things that you would say kind of contribute to the evolution of Loma Prieta? I mean, I think it, it there's definitely like some conscious attempt to change, and also I just think it's like for any like group of people that are listening to music a lot and being inspired by things, and you know what I mean. It's sort of like natural that you're going to even like subconsciously. Uh, things are going to like creep in that, you know, it's like we've been a band for at least probably 15 years plus now. And so it's kind of like, I know that my music tastes, while I still love the stuff I loved 15 or 20 years ago, like there's been a lot of other things that have sort of like come into play and things that obviously like subconsciously are influencing, you know, your approach. And it's just like when you fall in love with a song, it's sort of like it's in there. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, It's having some effect. So when you're like sitting playing guitar, you're, I think like my sense of melody is sort of always changing and stuff like that, you know? And, and like you hear production things happening that totally affect, that give you new ideas when you're going into the studio and production itself has like totally changed too. Just like the, I mean, for us, it's like, I feel like we have the ability to do so much more now. And like, I understand recording in a way that I didn't when like this band started, I was like, I'd only ever, as far as my own stuff, like I don't, I was recording stuff on like cassette four track and now it's like the sort of like range that you have, the like capacity to like radically shift things is so, so much more present and like, and I guess working with someone like Jack Shirley, who's like a total fucking master, you know what I mean? It's like, you can, you're like, Hey man, uh, I want to make this part explode in this way. How do we do it? You know? And he's like, got all these tricks up his sleeve to do things like that. I mean that that's also an an interesting aspect of sort of the development of the sound, right? Is is not only the collaboration between the band, but also 
the person you collaborate that records you, right? <laughs> right, and right. Someone like Jack Shirley is such a he's in such a special position because of his talents as both a musician and a, a producer and a recording engineer. And I think what's so great about him is that he he kind of speaks the language of the types of bands that that we're in. Oh, 100%, and, yeah. And he knows exactly what to do, even if even if, if, if you or myself or any other person in a band like can't quite articulate it, I feel like right. what's so great about him is that he almost just like in, instinctually knows how to make it the best version of itself. I yeah, totally. I, I think that's that's totally true. And it's like, yeah, sometimes I feel like it's almost um, like there's like subtext there where he's like, he just you know so naturally gets it because I feel like we grew up listening to all the same bands and like. You know, I like met him through this band, like when the, you know, when Loma was like really a new band. It was like we we would play with Jack's band Madre, who are like still to this day like one of my favorite punk bands. And like, yeah, it's like he's like seen the whole development, knows everything that sort of has happened like in this realm. And I think it and has in some ways like shaped what's happened in this realm, like through his own band and just the records he's made and like the quality of. Uh, you know, like what he puts into it. Like he's like as invested as anyone in the band, it feels like to me, when, at least when I've recorded with him and I've had, you know, like several of my bands have made records with him. So it's kind of like, it's it's a very unique thing. And I feel like super fortunate just that we happen to be in the Bay Area at the same time. You know what I mean? Like having someone like him sort of in, in the, the same circles and coming from underground music, coming from punk rock or hardcore, or whatever you want to call it, like, I think there's something really, it's almost invaluable to have someone of that skill set to be able to serve the community or scene of underground music, you know, versus coming from, from an outside place and going to like a studio that has no idea what, what this music is rooted in. Right. Yeah. I think, I think it's a totally different thing. And on some level, I feel like, there's got to be something exciting to that too, to be like, like, I feel like I know, um, I've known bands like in our sort of world that always work with like a different engineer every time they record and like go to studios that you wouldn't expect and get great results too. So it's like, there's no wrong way to do it, but you know, it's, uh, yeah, for us, I feel like, you know, our band kind of like was growing rapidly at this period of time where we were making records with Jack and it was kind of like, we were all like experimenting together and he was totally like, he was like allowing us to do stuff that I feel like other people wouldn't probably right. because we were like literally breaking his gear and shit. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> he was, like I remember we recorded, I think it was when we recorded lifeless with him and we were just like, we came in like, we want to make the most like, like damaged fucked up sounding record that we possibly can. Like, what can we do? And so at some point, like, we finished making the record and then I talked to him a couple of weeks later and he's like, yeah, man, I had to have my compressors serviced because the um, little like VU unit that kind of like shows how hard the compression is hitting. He's like, it, it like broke the needle. <laughs> like it got, it got like you guys stuck broke the needle. because we, we maxed out, we maxed this shit out. So, you know, he let us do that, man. Like who else would do that? This is true, and I guess I would consider that to be a success. You broke the meter. <laughs> yes. and, it felt good. It felt good, and it sounded and you, you, pretty you yielded up. great results. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, you, you mentioned you mentioned that you are or, and have played in other bands along the way. Right. Um, 
Would you say that playing with other bands along the way has also sort of expanded your musical perception of like what your capabilities are, or like what or what your, you know, just kind of how you're approaching songwriting and music in general? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think it it has kind of everything to do with like what I was talking about earlier about the ways that like a group of people combine into you know into like one stereo track it's like interesting to think about how much goes into that and like how much the interplay between players like is like the sound of the band you know what i mean and yeah. like growing up like like a lot of the kind of like early super you know what i felt was like really creative punk stuff that i was listening to it was bands where i was kind of like more fascinated with the like the sound than the songs themselves sometimes and stuff like that. And I think it just has to do with like, particularly like a drummer's style when you're playing heavy music, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. I mean, I, so, you know, there's that aspect to it where it's like, I've always kind of been like, you meet people, you see their bands play, you become friends and then you're like, man, I'd, I'm super curious to see what it would sound like if we like played music together, you know what I mean? And like, and like see how that works and, Totally. That's part it, of it, you know? That's definitely yeah. part of why I've been in so many bands. And and then part of it is also, like, bands are a weird, like, entity where, like, there's always these, like, fits and starts, right? Like, you have these cycles of things that happen and everyone has a life. And for me, I'm just kind of like, I just want to play music all the time. So it's like I end up, like, starting bands because I'm like, well, yeah, I'm in, like, a lull right now. I don't think anything's going to be happening for, like, three months, but... Uh yeah, I want to talk to that dude about seeing about, you know, let's just get together. And then it always, like, oftentimes turns into a band. So I'm like, well, shit, now I'm in too many bands. It's clearly a thing that has to be um, sort of acknowledged or, or pacified in a way. You know, it's like you just, you just, you need that outlet for, for your creativity, your, your right. creativity. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, it makes total sense. And I was gonna, so I was going to ask you, like, like, where did it all start for you when you were younger? And more specifically, what was what was your first introduction to discovering punk rock music? Man, it it's funny. Like, it's like you have to go back so far to like figure it out. You know what I mean? But it, but I guess it kind of all is like maybe this like one or two year period, like when I was like in like junior high school. It was like I started. Uh, I think I started junior high school just as this really like normal, well-adjusted kid who liked, you know, baseball and like, you know, I had always loved music, but like it was sort of like during that period of time, I think it was funny. It was like I, you know, I went to elementary school at this like very like hippie, like art magnet school that like didn't have letter grades and like we didn't have spelling tests and all this shit. And it was just the most like bohemian northern california like bullshit like there were like 20 kids in my grade and that was that was that then i started junior high school and it was like suddenly i was in like like a class of 600 kids and like there were all these like super intense like jock dudes who i did not like and i felt super kind of like not ostracized specifically but like i definitely like couldn't really find my place and then it was like i had this one buddy from probably from the time i was like in second grade and when, by the time we were in, like, fifth or sixth grade, he was fully, like, had, like, long hair and was, like, sneaking out to smoke weed and was just, like, a total, like, piece of shit, like, rocker kid. <laughs> and and he was just so fucking cool. And so we started, like, hanging out all the time 
probably like halfway through seventh grade, which is when I started junior high. And then like he knew a kid that was like a grade above us who was like already playing in bands and stuff. So we started a band. And then um and then that older kid, the kid a grade above us, is my friend Devin, who I'm like still best friends with. And, like we played in Archaeopteryx together, which was like the band that like led me to meet the guys that I started Loma with. So it's like it's funny like trying to uh trying to like put it all together, but it was basically like, you know, between the ages of like 13 and 14, I went from being like, you know, just like some shy, like normal kid who was just trying to like not get my ass kicked in junior high school to like hanging out with all these rockers and like growing my hair long and being like a little dickhead and skating and shit. <laughs> and then like, because of, you know, because we lived in this town, like we lived in this town, Petaluma, which is an hour north of San Francisco. And there was like a, a like a punk venue there like a big like abandoned theater that turned into like a punk thing and so it was like i just had total access to like this music scene and there was a bunch of cool shit happening so suddenly like your world was kind of opened up at that point where you started to find other kids who were were into playing music and and then there right. was like this diy punk rock venue in town that you were able to go to and which are were those some of your first shows that you you attended I mean, they were my first shows that I attended that were, like, not, like, arena shows. You know what I mean? Like, as a, I guess, when I was a little younger than that, like, I got my, uh, I have, like, an older half-brother who's uh, 16 years older than me, and and he was always super awesome and, like, played in bands when I was a really little kid and stuff, too. So, when I, you know, when I was probably, like, 10 or 11, I was, like, really into, like, Guns N' Roses. And so he, like, took me to go see Guns N' Roses and Metallica at, like, Oakland Coliseum, and it was the most epic. Like, it was so fucking sick. But, like, it was still such a foreign world, and I had no, like, real ambition to, like, I wasn't like, I want to be in Guns N' Roses. I was just like, this is a crazy spectacle. You know what I mean? And then it wasn't really until, I guess it's just the, like, whole adolescence thing. It's like, you have to, like, create, you find, like, an identity. And I, like, met these kids who were super cool and, like, didn't give a shit about anything. And I was like, I kind of, yeah, I'm liking this. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so we would, like, it kind of started like I, you know, convinced my mom to like let me go to a show like at the Phoenix, which is this venue in our town. And then it kind of turned into like, you know, she didn't want to like let me go to shows all the time. So then it turned into us like sneaking out to go to shows, you know, like on like a school night. We'd be like, well, fuck it, dude. There's like fucking Mickey and the Big Mouths are playing tonight, dude. We got to sneak out. And so <laughs> we'd like go see these fucking hardcore shows and shit. And it was just super fun. And then, you know, and then at the same time, like playing in bands together, too. And so... By the time I was like, I mean, definitely like well before we could drive, we were like playing shows, which is really funny to think about. Like we'd have to like find someone random. It would never be our parents. It was always like, oh, dude, like our drummers, like weird, like meth head uncle will drive us or whatever. <laughs> or like our friend's older brother will drive us to the show. Whatever. So we have to like tough. figure out how to get to the show and like, you know, play these shows in Sonoma County. Were, were there any notable bands that stood out to you at the time? And w w were there any specific bands that you would say were responsible for opening up the world of, <clears throat> I would say, like, for a lack of a better description, like chaotic hardcore or even screamo or emo stuff? Like, like right. what, what, what was the moment where you found yourself, you, you found yourself in this almost like sub world of punk rock? Right. Yeah. Obviously, you know what I mean. Like Loma is so specific in in where it lies within the genre of hardcore music, and like right, right. You know, I've always felt, you know, especially with your own dream, like we always like it's 
took us a minute to find ourselves in this um, circle of, of other bands who were approaching music in a similar way. Um, right. But then, like, suddenly we realized that people were doing it in all corners of the country and, and beyond. But it, it took us a while to figure it out because at the time there wasn't Spotify or anything like that. We had to, like, tour the country to see what other kids were up to and what kind of music they were playing. And, right. you know, it was kind of an interesting observation over time to see how this stuff kind of developed, you know, and between going to shows and, and actually experiencing it, but then also coming across that 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 one seven inch that like could change your life. Like, right. I know. I know. Like, it, all, it all feels almost like, like cosmic or so, you know what I mean? I'm sort of like, completely. man, like I can, I can kind of like specifically find like the, uh, the thread that sort of runs through that like brought me to like becoming super into like, I guess, you know, post hardcore or whatever, you, you know, right. whatever right. I was calling it back then. But it's like, there was like a band that I really liked who was from Santa Rosa. And uh, they were like, this weird band that I think you would probably call a pop punk band, right? They were called ground round and they were Mm -hmm. like, just like this local band who were like amazingly good at music. Now that I'm looking back on it, them being like 20 or something. And they put out a record where they did this like born against cover. And I just Mm -hmm. liked their band so much. And I'd never heard of born against. And it was like, I mean, it's so it's as far as I was concerned, it's like pre-internet. Like I didn't use the internet like probably at all until 99 or something right so this would have been like maybe 95 and because they had like done this born against cover then i saw like a born against record at the one record store in like our whole county and i bought that and i was just like what the fuck is this like it didn't sound the same at all because they'd done this like relatively glossy like intense pop punk cover of a ground round song basically like with singing and like or of of a born against song and so I got this Born Against record and I was just like, like I listened to it like 10 times and was just like, I, like I like it, but this is fucked. Like what the <laughs> fuck? Like this sounds so deranged. And like I knew that, I knew there was something there, right? Like I was like, I don't like this so much that I like it kind of. And then in that record there was like, and and I guess at the time too, it was like through one of the dudes that played in Ground Round who had like a distro, I started um buying like heart attack, which was like the ebullition like zine. Mm-hmm. So I started like understanding like the sort of like terminology of like what these, this type of music was. And then, uh, and then I just started buying shit from distros. And I remember one of the first things I got, like it was probably within two weeks of that ground round record. I bought this shop maker record and I was like, uh, same thing. Like well, I was one just of my, like, one of my favorites. yeah, I mean, and like to this day, it's like, that's, that's, the, that's the band that like, like, as soon as I heard that, I was just like, oh, shit. I don't know about Sonic Youth anymore, man. Like, I found I found some, like, severe noise. You know what I mean? Like, right, this shit is right. fucking hard sounding. And it, like, I guess it just really appealed to me in the sense that it seemed very, like, just, like, not macho in any way. Like, it was, like, the I was, like, this is so much heavier than any of, like, the bands that think they're heavy. You know what I mean? Like, I was just Lately. so about it. Like, it's, like, it just sounds fucked up, that first Shotmaker LP. So then it was funny because it was like, I guess I just like dubbed both of those records on like either side of like a tape and I would just like listen to that on my Walkman all the time. And like, because I had like, I felt like I needed to, like, I was like, I don't, there's nothing catchy about this, but like, I'm drawn to it. And then that kind of like, that just fucked me up. And then, you know, within a year it was like everything I was listening to was just 
for I the mean, most that... part, that kind of stuff, you know, like I just got super into like Antioch Arrow and um, all the gravity stuff, you know. See, isn't that amazing? It's like just from talking for a few minutes, and, and of course, it, it, you do have to kind of dig back in your your archives, right? Like it's right, it's, right. it's hard to trace the steps when it when it actually has been so long. But then it's amazing to hear you talk about it, where like it started with going to a new school that had a ton of kids, and but you, it was a little overwhelming, and you needed to find your your place, and then you found your group of friends, and they happened to be musicians as well, and then right. there's that 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 punk rock spot in town that, that did the DIY shows, and then you came across the distro, and then you found the shop, or you found uh, the local band that covered Born Against, and then then it led you to the <laughs> Shopmaker LP, and then suddenly suddenly like you cracked the door open, and I think Heart Attack especially back then was was written I, I i don't want to call it like the whole like the holy grail of of you know uh, that like like the window to that scene but in a way it kind of was because they did such a good job at the coverage of the shows and of course ebullition had its own uh distro and all that beyond right. the label and yeah they had really specific bands you know and and the bands on Ebullition were very much of this particular subgenre of hardcore, you know. Right. I mean, most yeah. specific, like most specifically for me, like the standout release of Ebullition is, is Torches of the Past. Oh my God! You know? Yeah. I mean that yeah. LP just it, it. I almost feel like the Torches of Past LP was your Shotmaker LP. You know, it was. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It, it, it's like when I discovered that with Jeff. Jeff bought that record at a local distro. Right. And he's like, dude, you have to come over and listen to this. And similar to what you did by putting, you know, both bands on on each side of the cassette tape, we right. we literally just just put the record on and kept rotating. Like we just kept listening to it over and over, <laughs> right. and over and over and over and over, and just right. like shit, just like became embedded in like our psyche, and we just absolutely fell in love with it because there was something so, I don't know, kind of to what you were saying about bands who thought they were heavy and then you suddenly discover these other bands that play music that isn't veiled in like all this distortion but it's more so about how it makes you feel and there's something about how these kids back in the day how they wrote music and how they played it and also right. just the honesty behind it that's that's i think what really got me was yeah. the discovery of this music of just just how honest it all felt I think that was a really, that was like a real marker of 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 what this particular genre of hardcore was for for me. Yeah, totally. You know, just like the the, the discovery of of music that wasn't quote unquote macho or meatheaded or metal. You know, it's like these bands were were some of these bands hardly had any distortion on their guitars, and it evoked right. an emotion that like I, I've never felt while listening to a band before, you know? It's like, what yeah. is that? Like, I didn't yeah. understand it at the time. I'm like, what? What? Am, why am I feeling this way what, when listening to this record? Right. No, I know. It's like a very, like, ecstatic kind of uh, kind of feeling that I was, like, getting. And just and it just felt like, and I mean, I think at the time it was, like, just very fresh and, like, it was not... I think I was seeking something at the time that, like, I knew I was interested in sort of like music that was like had like artistic motives or something like that. You know what I mean? Right. And so, Amazing. yeah, yeah. There was just something, something like hit me right about that kind of stuff. And it, and, and also I think part of it was that I was already like playing in sort of like 
pop punkish emo-ish bands at the time and when i heard especially like shopmaker and then like and the other like gravity records bands i had mentioned and stuff like that like i couldn't figure out how people were playing that and that was like a cool challenge too like i was just like how do you fucking sound like that mm. like that's insane like i don't i can hear what each like instrument is doing but i don't understand how they like came up with these ideas or like it's just sort of part of like the lineage of how these things work, right? Like I'm sure those bands were listening to bands that maybe I wouldn't have been interested in at all and sort of like stumbled upon this sound and, you know, like um, I know it ended it, up really it, innovating, you know? Completely. And that, that that's a good word for it because even to this day, you know, you listen to some of those records, like like uh, Swing Kids is, is coming to mind in particular. Yeah, dude, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, speaking of gravity. Um, right. And like, these, I mean, these, everyone was so young back then, right? And, <laughs> it's crazy to and, think and, it was like the, 18 year old kids doing that shit. But right, it was. And, and and I was very much, you know, in, in the same school of thought where, like, I'm like, how, like, how are these bands doing what they're doing? You know, like, how do they know how to make their shit sound that way? But then you realize over time that it's just how they knew how to do it. Like, that's just what came out of them expressively, you know? And for sure, yeah. And that's, I think that's what this music did for me was, it, it, you know, the, the the bands that resonated with me were the ones that, like, just gave that visceral feeling that you just couldn't really put your thumb on. Like, it was just something that kind of came over you. And, and uh, yeah, it was an amazing, it was an amazing discovery to have when you're, especially when you're young, you know, and, and right. you are trying to find your place in, in, in the whole mix. Um, it's just cool to find this particular community of, of bands who not only are playing this particular t- style of music, but, you know, m- most of it was all rooted in, in, in DIY punk rock ethics. Yeah, I, totally. I, 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 I still think it's amazing how kids back then, like, they made it work. Everything from, from, from the bands themselves to, to booking tours for or from people um, ho- holding shows in their basements or their... their their living rooms or what, wherever, you know, or people making flyers and, and, you know, it's like people were graphic designers back then and didn't even realize they were graphic designers. You know? I know, man. There's, it's funny when you look back on stuff, you're like, man, that is a fucking hot design, dude. Like there's some flyers where I'm just like, you know, I'm like, I've never seen anything that like looked more appealing in my life. No, I mean, and same, so, with, same with, with, with album covers and packaging. Exactly. And stuff. Like exactly. it was, it it truly was innovative. I think um, back then, you know, just, just the, the stuff that that people made happen yeah. with the little they had was incredible. Like I felt like the creativity in the you know mid '90s to early 2000s was it was very much in a sweet spot for for this particular type of music. Yeah, I think so. I I think that's sort of what you know, it's kind of what drew me in. I guess yeah, I was just like looking for the most extreme sort of. Uh, version of like I guess it's a pretentious term but like art music or something you know what I mean mm-hmm. I like wanted mm-hmm. I, I sort of associated like um, punk with open-mindedness I guess which is funny because I think it's so like not about that now and it's interesting yeah. like it's like frustrating in a way because I'm like why I've, I mean I've been feeling this way for like you know at least 10 years but I'm kind of like when did we cross over into this realm where everyone's trying to like quantify whether or not things are punk? You know what I mean? It's like, 
Well, it's I'm interesting. Like, punk was supposed to be sort of like the relief from everything else, right? It's just sort of like severe music that does what it wants. Well, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because I was truthfully feeling the same way 18 years ago when when JD broke up, right. and and I think I think that never it, it was never not there. Um, sure. You know, it, it's a tough one, right? Because you're absolutely Excuse me, you're absolutely right. Punk rock to me is is supposed to be that that outlet for you to do whatever you want and to have no rules and to not not be restricted by anyone else's expectations, you know. And I think yeah, that's yeah. that's still what it is for me personally, and I think that's what it is for a lot of people. But it's funny that you mentioned the whole thing where where you you're noti- you've noticed over the years that people are always like checking uh, they're sort of checking the, the 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 list to see if it matches up, or to see if like a band <laughs> matches up, just to, to, to meet to meet to meet the criteria of what being a punk is, or some shit like that. And yeah, yeah, I just think it's so exhausting, and I found it so exhausting 18, 19 years ago. Yeah, um, I mean, it never stops being, I guess. And I get, I get, like, on some level, I'm like, I get why people are like proprietary about punk because if it's to remain a subculture, right? Like if it, if it is about existing outside of all the parts of society that like, you know, we all kind of know are fucked up. Maybe there does, there needs to be some, you know, people do need to like check what is and isn't punk as far as like, like ethical concerns and things like that. And I get that, but it is, you know, it's funny just sort of like on a uh, creative level, I'm like, I don't know, man. I feel like if someone thinks it's punk, it's punk. If they think they're making punk music, they are, kind of. Yeah. I mean, who's to tell them otherwise, you know? Right. It's just like if a band decides to go in a different creative direction, are are they suddenly no longer punk because they don't sound like the old stuff? I mean, like my band ran into that over the years, too. It's like every record we made was, was slightly different than the last, and Mm-hmm. But to to your point earlier, it's like you could you could try to sound completely different, but you still could tell that it's the same people behind their instruments, you know. Right. So I think I think I think it's about not being afraid to um, push the envelope and to do things uh, based on your instinct, you know, your creative instincts. Yeah. You know, whereas I think a lot of people they re- they unfortunately restrict themselves in what what they can do or even want to do. Um, because of their fear of judgment and what other people are going to say about it. And that's, that's too bad, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, and yeah, it's like, I can, I can see both sides because as a fan, sometimes it's like, you know, there have been bands where like they changed their sound like 30% and I, and like they totally lost me, you know what I mean? So right, it's like, right. it's really different. You know, it's, it's funny to like think about um, music as a, like creating music as opposed to like listening to music. It's like a to it's it's a really hard thing to reconcile. And I also am kinda like like I know that I can't listen to my own bands like really objectively. I mean I get is there even such a thing as like listening objectively anyway. But you know what I mean? Like it's I like can't especially if I'm like in the middle of working on something, like I can't listen to it without like thinking about what I'm playing and like like I'm actually like thinking about the moments in actually like physically playing it like too mm-hmm. much to be able to like really know what it sounds like I guess so you know it's all yeah. pretty uh, it's all pretty bizarre shit man yeah it's true and I would also say you know 
you, you bring up a good point about the difference between playing music and listening to music. Cause, right. I mean, they're obviously entirely different because, you know, we, we come from bands who play fairly aggressive, heavy music. But yeah. when I'm listening to music, I find myself listening to stuff that's not heavy at all. Right. You know, um, some on a, on occasion, you know, but 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 my 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 go to wouldn't be to listen to heavy hardcore music. You know. Right. Um, yeah. Me too. More and more as uh, as time has gone on, I guess. You know. I'm, I guess my ears are fatigued. Too. I don't know. You know. <laughs> yeah. Might, <laughs> might have been fatigued for a long time. Um, but yeah, it's interesting though because in terms of actual playing of heavy music that right. for me is like the most satisfying thing I can do artistically with music is mm-hmm. play, play music with a certain, um, certain output, you know? Um, sure. Yeah. Like it has it, some like it, physicality it, to it and all that. Yeah. Cause I mean, I think, I think as, as a musician, the expression behind this type of music, I think that's, that's where it really, it really serves me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. Whereas I feel I were, that too. Yeah. Like, like, and I think when I was younger, you know, I think listening to it served me as, as, as well, you know, in its own way. Um, I would just casually put on a coalesce record and be a happy camper. But now, <laughs> right. you know, I'd just be like, Hmm, like maybe I'll put on some slow dive. Yeah. I think it, I think the, you know, what drew me, probably part of what drew me to like this kind of music or just like punk in general, or even when I was, you know, like super into like Nirvana, which sort of led to punk, I guess. It's like, yeah, it's music that needs to be, it's like foreground music. Like you can't, like it takes focus to even to right. listen to, you know what I mean? And so I think that was like, I mean, but that's sort of like a different, maybe it's a different time in life thing. Maybe it's just that like the world wasn't so completely like in your face all the time like it is now you know what i mean like things have sort of shifted in like our society to a point where you know i'm like really seeking out some peace and quiet when i can but yeah same. you know at the same time it's like and i do i do listen to you know probably a third of the time i'm listening to music it's stuff that i would consider heavy but like i definitely feel like it you know it translates more for me like live now than it yeah. than it ever did. And also it might just be that it's everything is so saturated that I'm just kind of like, yeah, I think I'm going to listen to a podcast or something. You know, I think I'm just going <laughs> to like sit in silence for a few minutes here. Like Sean, maybe we're just getting older, man. <laughs> I think we might be old. dude. This we sucks. might actually be old. Oh my God. But yeah. We're still hanging on to the spirit of youth. <laughs> I mean, when I'm, when I'm talking about all this shit and realizing it's like, 25 years ago or something i'm like well yeah it must be fucking old right like jesus well we've certainly been around the block a few times yeah yeah so that said this 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 point forward what's what's 2020 looking like for you what's 2020 looking like for loma prieta what's what's this year look like in terms of your your creative goals and what you're going to do with the band man um I, you know it's funny i don't really like have super solid goals, but I'm, you know, I think things are just like, things are in process right now for, for me. And that's kind of the way I keep it. Like, I don't really like think about, you know, like, Oh, we have to get this record out in this certain amount of time or, you know, that kind of thing. But I have a bunch of, um, a bunch of projects sort of in the works right now. Like what, what, what else is in queue besides, I, I know that Loma is, you're currently putting an LP together. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. We're kind of in the middle of like writing and demoing this, uh, 
LP. So it's it's like really hard to say like how long that'll take, but it's been it's really exciting. Like it's it feels really good to be sort of like working on something like large like this. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Um, and this will and be really the first LP since 2015, right? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, it's been Crazy. kind of a strange like lull, you know, where, yeah, it's just kind of what sometimes happens, I guess, you know, we're all kind of like living all over the place. And so, you know, it's been, it's kind of like, we've kind of been, you know, I feel like for the last five years, it's kind of been like, well, we can take this three weeks to work on music, or we can like go on this tour that is getting set up, well, let's go on <laughs> tour, you know, like, let's, we never did like a real proper tour for self-portrait when it came out. And so I feel like we've been like taking every opportunity to get out and kind of like slowly chip away at like what we should have been doing, which is probably just go on tour for three months when it came out, you know? Yeah. But, well, we, um, we, we, we had our little two week stint this summer, which was nice. I know, man, that was definitely, I think the most fun I've had on tour in possibly ever. I got to say, Same. <laughs> it was fucking, it was fucking amazing, man. Yeah, this, this this summer was definitely special, and um, we were so stoked to to be able to link up with you guys and to to share that time with you. Um, when when the whole the whole idea of it came up, and Jeff's like, yeah, you know, you should you should reach out to them and see if they might be interested. And when I wrote you guys, and you wrote back, like such a lovely right. note, it was like, holy shit, like this actually might happen. And then we made it happen, and it ended up being the best summer ever. Yeah, it was it was amazing and it was like the kind of thing where I think we all kind of like like the notion of like us being able to like play with Jerome's dream was is just I mean I'm still kind of like damn dude did that really happen? Like this is fucking crazy. Like that's you know y'all are like a band that not only like influenced us like so much but like like everyone that I know in this world is just, you know, it's it's totally a um it's like a gift to, you know, that you guys are like out playing to people that have probably wanted to see you for, you know, like for it's, fucking 20 years. It's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a strange, it's a strange life. <laughs> Dude, I'm, I'm sure it feels, I'm sure it feels very strange to you too, but you know, yeah, yeah it but, definitely, but, it definitely felt like some out of body shit for us. So I think we were just like, okay, let's, uh, yeah. Like, let's, our, just, let's just do it. I mean, yeah, I was like, dude, I don't care what is going on in my life. Like I will cancel it. Let's do that shit. So, unfortunately, um, so, it was it was even better than I expected. I think for us, you know, having having not toured over over eighteen years, to to be able to come back and to basically um, join join you know forces with with a band like Loma, it made us feel safe. You know, it made us feel like we were taken care of, and 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 I would say like. We also felt that way with Jack, actually, to bring it back to to, to Jack and and right, sort of like yeah. this, this this kind of fabric of people that we're all kind of a part of. Um, that's that's another thing about punk rock is is when you do find your people and and you, you develop these these friendships you you very well otherwise might, might have never developed. You know, because you you meet people through music, you meet people through this this weird you know, alternative culture of ours and and then suddenly you, you do feel safe and suddenly you feel like you're a part of something that makes sense. And Yeah, totally. And so yeah, uh, this is the last thing I'll say about us, but like to, to have 
to, to return to touring and to do it with you guys at the top of it all was just like the best and, uh, <laughs> awesome, yeah. you know, but the, the rest is history, I guess. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, what a time, man. We yeah. did it. 2020 <laughs> punk rock. 20, yeah. 2020. Here it comes, man. Let's, uh, comes. let's keep it going. Absolutely. So on that note, is, is there anything else that we should touch on that maybe we haven't, or is there anything that, that you want to, you want to bring up or talk about or how am I doing? <laughs> I mean, you're doing great. You know, I'm, I'm Dude, hanging on for your life, great. but um, you know, this is, yeah, the, I've, you know, I haven't been as awkward as I expected myself to be. So that's cool. You know? Well, that, that must be a, a testament it's, to my my interview skills. <laughs> that's what I'm saying, dude. I see there's a future in this for you. I really hope so. so um, I've really botched some of these before, but this one, I feel good. Good. Well, hopefully, I might, hopefully I make you feel safe too. Yeah, I think I think that's a big part of it, for sure, for sure. All right. Well, obviously, uh, this is the first episode, and I'm super stoked that you are number one. You will always be my number one, Sean. Oh my God, <laughs> it's just all too much, man. It's uh, just too much. Okay. Uh, I, lo- I love it. I love it. <laughs>